the produce that we are capturing for real good might otherwise have gone to the landfill. If it didn't have a consumer for it, then the grower, like I said, might have disked it in. But if he had already, he or she had already captured it, if he had, say, harvested the apples and put them into bins and then couldn't find a buyer for them because they were a little too small, a little too big, a little bit funny shape, then those would have been sent to the landfill, which is a high emitter of greenhouse gases. So at Rayleigh's, of course, we do still have some produce waste because some of it just goes off when it's waiting to be purchased at the grocery store. And we actually divert from the landfill. We send all of our produce waste to an anaerobic biodigester where it becomes essentially compost and then natural gas energy. Welcome to Infinite Earth Radio. We believe that in a world of finite natural resources, a smart and sustainable future is only possible by lifting up people and unleashing unlimited human potential. Hi there, and welcome to Infinite Earth Radio, where each week we interview thought leaders and change agents who are transforming the future by building smarter, more sustainable, and more equitable communities. In this bonus episode of Infinite Earth Radio, we share the second of three bonus clips on food systems from podcasts Mike Hancock's recorded last year for Equitable Opportunity Radio with our colleague Carl Schneebeck. The guest in today's clip is typical of the many innovative, inspiring, and entrepreneurial individuals working so diligently on addressing the important environmental and economic inequality challenges facing our country. Working within a large grocery store chain, she has created an innovative program to start addressing the issue of food waste. In this episode, we look at the environmental and economic impacts of food waste and how addressing food waste can help address issues of food insecurity. As much as 40% of all the food produced in the United States never gets eaten and typically ends up in landfills or goes unharvested in the field. This is according to the Natural Resources Defense Council. Um, And this study that they did got a lot of traction recently and may have even seen some of the uh, information about food waste on uh, John Oliver's show um, last week tonight. Megan Burrett, our guest today, is an Aspen Institute First Mover Fellow and the Director of Sustainability and Wellness at Rayleigh's Family of Fine Stores. Uh, she saw an opportunity to address this issue, developing pathways that connect fresh food waste in the supply chain with food insecure consumers. This led the company to design a new program dubbed Real Good Produce to sell imperfect fruits and vegetables to food insecure customers at a highly discounted price. Meg, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, Carl. Meg, can you share with our listeners a little bit about your background and how you came to be the Director of Wellness and Sustainability at Raleigh's Supermarkets? Sure. It's a little bit of an interesting pathway. Um, I've actually been at Raleigh's for about three and a half years. Prior to taking this role, there was no Director of Wellness and Sustainability at Raleigh's. So I actually put together the position and pitched our executives on it, and I was lucky enough to have the opportunity to carve this path. But before that, I was running our bakeries, and I actually was hired on as a category manager where I was buying for our center store categories, which is what grocers call the things in the center of the store. It's anything um, can, bottle, or jarred. Before that, I was an organic produce buyer after I graduated from business school at the Presidio Graduate School. That's great. Um, so now that you've, you're in this role, tell us what does the Director of Wellness and Sustainability do? It's a great question, and it has a lot of different answers depending on the day. 
Up until about a couple of months ago, I was managing the natural foods uh, portion of our profit and loss statement. So it was up to me and my team to make sure that we were driving sales and profitability for natural foods and what we call the center store portion of the grocery store. But we recently integrated natural foods, making it part of the conventional groceries. So I gave that profit and loss responsibility to all the rest of the merchants. So everyone at Realies is now driving the growth of natural and organic foods, not just one small department. So since I'm not managing that component anymore, I've had a lot more time to focus on sustainability, which has been very exciting. And then also I'm focusing on wellness, trying to develop a wellness program for us, um, trying to make Realies more of a wellness destination and less of a conventional grocery store. So for folks who don't know, who aren't from Northern California, how big of a supermarket chain is Raley's and what's your scope? Do you cover all the stores or is there some set of stores that you work with? Yes. So Raley's is a conventional supermarket chain, um, similar to for those in other areas of the country, you might think of a Safeway or maybe even a Kroger. We have 118 stores here in Northern California and in the Reno area of Nevada. And um, we are a conventional store, so full line store. And I work at the support center, so I support all 118 stores in wellness and sustainability pursuits. Yeah, so Raleigh's is one of the 50 largest supermarket chains in the country. Uh, so it's a yes. pretty, pretty big operation. Can you tell us a little bit about the Aspen Institute's First Movers Fellowship Program? And what is the goal of the program and how does that fit into your work? Yes, so I was very lucky to be able to participate in the First Movers Fellowship last year, concluded it um, in the middle of this summer of 2015. So the First Movers Fellowship is a subset of the Business and Society Program, which is one of a few programs that the Aspen Institute, which is a nonprofit think tank, runs. And the First Movers Program is really targeted at young professionals, young leaders that are looking to change an industry using capitalism or using the business as a vehicle for positive social change. And how did you get involved with that program? I actually was nominated for the program by another fellow Presidio graduate school graduate, Matt Sonnefeld, who works at LinkedIn. And then I was lucky to be accepted after I applied. And the program is focused on completing one project in the year that you are a fellow. You're a fellow for life, but you have one year of an intensive fellowship. And the project that I worked on is called the Real Good Produce Program, which we rolled out here at Raley's about three months ago. So let's talk a little bit about that, the Real Good Produce Program and the ugly food movement, as uh, some people are referring to it. Maybe you could just talk in general at first about food waste and food waste in the, in the larger system. Yeah, you mentioned earlier, Carl, one of my favorite statistics, and that is that up to 40% of the food that we grow here in America is often wasted before it gets to the consumer. That's the high end of the statistic, but it really is mind-boggling when you think about that much food that we're putting resources into growing that isn't getting into the hands of people who would like to eat it. So obviously there's food that's wasted at many different points along the supply chain. There's food that's wasted right on farm before it's even harvested. It gets turned into the earth because it isn't suitable for sale. And then there's also food that's wasted in your home and then many places in between. So I figured as a retailer, we have an opportunity to uniquely affect a certain few of those points along the supply chain where food is wasted. So what we first looked at was where is food being wasted that's being grown and not even reaching a retailer? And maybe could we capture a little bit more of that? So that's what we're trying to do with Real Good. 
So have you had a chance to, you know, as you think about this systemically, also look at specifically at what is happening with food waste at Rayleigh's? Yes, at Rayleigh's in our stores, well, we have very minimal food waste in our distribution channel. So most of what we purchase makes it to the store. That's in due in large part to the fact that we're located in Northern California and much of our food is grown in California. So it doesn't travel as far as it does for most grocery stores in America. But then when it gets to store, of course, there will be some loss food waste loss at the store, we tend to call shrink. And we try to minimize this as much as possible because grocery is a very slim margin business and everything that we throw out is a loss in terms of our profitability. Um, But we do have a few new programs in place to capture some additional food that could potentially be wasted. We are capturing some produce before it reaches its expiration in terms of what we would feel comfortable selling the consumer and repurposing it in our food service department, which is a great way to reduce waste and then also add something of additional value to our consumer. So by the food services, you mean prepared foods? That's correct. The deli and bakery is what we call food service. And so I I can see where this program, you know, obviously reducing waste helps the bottom line of of rallies, but to what degree does this program, is this doing this program helping to do anything about food insecurity and how, you know, does it reduce food prices for the lower income consumers or, or for consumers in general? That's a great question. The food that we're offering, the produce that we're offering through the Real Good Produce Program is offered at a significant discount, 30 to 40% compared to the conventional alternative that we have on our shelf. So for example, one of the produce items that we launched with was red bell peppers, which are, as you know, very common staple in American and many other cuisines. We were offering them at 99 cents a pound, whereas our peppers on shelf, the conventional alternative were $1.99 each. So significant discount. And our intention was to bring in lower priced produce and then pass along that cost savings that we gained by capturing this somewhat strange looking produce that otherwise wouldn't be considered sellable and pass that savings right along to our consumer at a lower retail price point. Our hope was that all consumers would appreciate it, that they would understand the story of capturing food waste from the supply chain, but that we would offer an additional alternative for our most price sensitive consumers. And how have your customers responded to this? They've responded incredibly positively. I mean, overwhelmingly so. I had high hopes because, you know, I'm an optimist, but it was amazing to see how our consumers really just, they just got it. They understood the story. They were appreciative that we were trying to do something to help solve the problem, even if it's just a tiny percent of a solution. And we have seen some positive reception in the data that we have not only the affluent consumer who may be able able to afford that more expensive bell pepper, that person is participating in purchasing from Real Good, as is the more price sensitive consumer. And we're seeing really great repeat purchase, which is excellent too. Maybe you can share with our listeners, you know, probably a lot of folks kind of get how the waste reduction would produce positive environmental impacts. But can you can you explain from your perspective, you know, what's the kind of the bottom line of this program from an environmental perspective? Well, there's a few different approaches. The way that I like to think about the good work that Real Good is doing in terms of its environmental impact is that we're capturing this food that the farmers have put all of their resources into growing. 
So here in California, obviously, we're in the middle of an, an historic drought. We're in year four now. And we know that the grower is watering and fertilizing and using gas to run his tractors and paying labor and everything else that goes into growing, say, a head of broccoli or a red bell pepper. So if any of that doesn't make it to the consumer, it doesn't have an opportunity to be sold, then that grower is losing all of those resources. So even though sometimes the grower will, what what they call turn it in, they'll disc the produce back into the earth. So they're giving those resources back to the land. They still went to all the effort to grow that red bell pepper. So we're trying to capture as much of that as we can and make sure that the grower gets a fair price. That's great. And you also, I, I would assume that to some degree you're diverting food waste from landfills, which is, is which I think is one of the largest components of the waste that goes to landfills now. And it, and it has a really high greenhouse gas impact because of methane. Is that accurate? That is accurate. The produce that we are capturing for real good might otherwise have gone to the landfill. If it didn't have a consumer for it, then the grower, like I said, might have disked it in. But if he had already, he or she had already captured it, if he had, say, harvested the apples and put them into bins and then couldn't find a buyer for them because they were a little too small, a little too big, a little bit funny shape, then those would have been sent to the landfill, which is a high emitter of greenhouse gases. So at Rayleigh's, of course, we do still have some produce waste because some of it just goes off when it's waiting to be purchased at the grocery store. And we actually divert from the landfill. We send all of our produce waste to an anaerobic biodigester where it becomes essentially compost and then natural gas energy. That's fantastic. So we've covered there's, you know, there's a benefit to, to your company for um, potentially increased profit. There's a benefit to your customers who now have access to a reduced, uh, lower priced food source. There's a benefit to the farmers who now can make some money off of something that they had already, you know, they, they put energy into making and producing, but weren't able to uh, get any money out of. And there's this benefit to the, uh, to the environment. So uh, is there, is there any implications for, is this, is this creating any employment opportunities for folks? I can't say as it's creating any employment opportunities for Rayleigh's per se, but it may be creating employment opportunities for the growers. Um, but I can't speak to that as, as I am not a grower myself. <laughs> Great. Not, not that it needs to. It's a, it's a fantastic program that's providing just huge benefits across the board. It does provide a lot of benefits, but I will say it's not without its risks. It definitely was a brand risk for us to go out there with, as you say, what people call ugly produce. Even though we know and I know from having been an organic produce buyer that food comes in all shapes, sizes, colors, and, and wonkiness. But we are used to selling only one type of very perfectly shaped, sized, and colored fruits and vegetables in conventional grocery stores. So to go out here with this, what people sometimes call ugly produce, um, we were taking a little bit of a risk. But we did see a really positive reception with our consumers that they understand that every fruit and vegetable is unique and it's still nutritious and delicious no matter what it looks like. Well, kudos for taking the risk, and uh, and here's to individuality in all shapes and sizes and forms uh, that they take. And it's it's really great to hear that your customers have have taken to this program and uh, and understand it and get it and and seemingly so quickly. Um, is it, it sounds like it's something that you was a fairly quick shift that they embraced. How can the members of our audience learn more about the work that you're doing, and and even more, how can they get involved and help with the work that you're doing? 
Well, for those of you that are in the Sacramento area, you're definitely welcome to come and visit one of the 10 stores where we're piloting Real Good and purchase it that way. But for many people who aren't in our area, I think just having a conversation with your grocer and asking for them to carry something like Real Good Produce would be really a great first step. Because as grocers, as retailers, our most important priority is pleasing the customer. And if the customer is going to tell us that they want us to capture more waste from the food supply chain, then I would bet that many more grocers would be willing to take the risk. That's great. Yeah, that's that's wonderful advice. I need to, uh, in fact, I'm already thinking I need to stop into my local grocery store and tell them that I'm willing to buy an imperfect tomato um, and if, <laughs> if they're willing to put them out for me. We'll try to put some stuff up on our website. I think uh, PBS did a great little video on the show on food waste and that will, I think that'll help people become more versed in the topic. So if they go to our, our website, they'll be able to find some additional resources. So, Meg, one last question that we'd like, we'd like to ask uh, all of our guests. So you're sitting down with yourself, you know, you're having a conversation with your future self, you know, the very older and wiser future Meg. And, <laughs> and, and what would she say to you about the impact of the work that you're doing? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I would hope that future Meg would be able to tell me that all of the struggle is worth it. <laughs> Sometimes it's difficult to create change, especially within a conservative industry like grocery. And some days are very difficult. But I hope that I'll be able to look back and say that as a team and as a company, we made a little bit of a difference in making our food chain a little bit more sustainable. We're very pleased to have had both present Meg and future Meg on this podcast. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for taking the time and, and, and more so thank you for the incredible work you're doing. It's really great to see a company and, and an organization identify a problem and really put some great things in place to address it. Uh, and as, as Mike and, and you both enumerated on so many different levels. So thanks so much for taking the time uh, and joining us today, Meg. Yeah, Carl, I'd like to throw in just one additional comment that we, you know, we didn't get into the full depth of the conversation about the environmental impacts. And I think that people don't realize that the food sector is the largest producer of greenhouse gases of, of all our, our sectors, including transportation. So if you have an industry that's you know, wasting 40% of its effort, there's just huge opportunity to reduce waste, uh, to reduce environmental impacts, to reduce greenhouse gas impacts. So it's just so at, at the same time, reduce food costs, deal with issues of food insecurity. So across the board, it's just such vitally important work. So, again, you know, we want to thank you, Meg, for taking this. We understand that, you know, why the, the supermarket industry is so conservative. It's a very tight margin industry and um, you're, you're doing such great and important work. So, again, thank you. Well, thank you very much. Thank you all for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this bonus episode of Infinite Earth Radio. Our next and final bonus episode looks at a small hyper-local farming and catering operation located in the Northeast Culling neighborhood in Portland, Oregon, and starts a conversation about how vitally important it is to support small farmers if we want to build a sustainable and equitable food system. We look forward to seeing you next time on Infinite Earth Radio. Infinite Earth Radio is a podcast produced by Skio in association with the Local Government Commission. To learn more about Skio, the Local Government Commission, 
Infinite Earth Radio guests, or how you can make a difference in your community, visit our website at infiniteearthradio.com or join us on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash Infinite Earth Radio and Twitter by following at Infinite Earth Radio.